0: of the Lord tonight. And we're going to start out Sunday nights like we normally do with our prayer requests. Uh, I've got one here. Uh, it doesn't have who it was requested why, uh, by, but they're asking us to pray for their wife, uh, pray for guidance, uh, and as she deals with situations. So let's be in prayer for that one. And then this is an unspoken from Ronnie Blankenbeckler Sr. for his family and for some health issues so let's be praying for them as well and then also I want you to be praying for Howard Furches this is Jolene Furches' father he is uh, really sick right now dealing with uh, some real sickness and uh, looks like they're gonna call hospice in and so be praying for that family as they deal with that and uh, he's just he's really suffering so I would ask that you would pray for them for some uh, comfort, uh, and, uh, and for the family, for everyone involved. So please remember that as well. All right, we're going to open up and go to the Lord in prayer uh, this evening and ask him to help us as we worship tonight. Uh, we're so thankful for everything he keeps doing, how he keeps blessing, uh, and we're asking for him to bless us again. Jason, would you just step forward where you are and open us up in a word of prayer? Thank you, sir.
1: Everybody stand. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Sing a word, His wonderful love proclaim. Hail Him, hail Him, highest dark angels in glory strength and honor give to his holy name like a shepherd He guard his children in his arms he carries him all day long praise him praise him tell of his excellent greatness praise him praise him ever in joyful song praise him praise him jesus our blessed redeemer for our sins he suffered and bled and died he our rock our hope of eternal salvation hail him hail him jesus the crucified sound his praises jesus who bore our sorrows the unbounded, wonderful, deep and strong. Praise Him, praise Him. Tell of His excellent greatness. Praise Him, praise Him. Ever in joyful song. Praise Him, praise Him. Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Amen portals allow with Hosanna's ring Jesus Savior reigneth forever and ever crown him crown him prophet and priest and king Christ is coming over the world victorious power and glory unto the Lord belong praise him praise Hell of his excellent greatness praise him praise him ever in joyful song amen you may be seated
0: amen all right we got a few announcements want you to remember uh, about the youth group easter flowers that's the last day today see becky or nancy dewey about that uh Tuesday night, Youth Group and Discovery Club. So Tuesday night's around here. There's a lot going on. Tuesday has Youth Group and Discovery Club. And then Men's 33 Series is meeting as well. And we thank the Lord for that. It's been doing really well. They meet in Basil's classroom going through uh, the lessons there, A Man and His Traps. And I just keep hearing great things about that, how the Lord's using that. And we're thankful for that men's ministry. Uh, On Wednesday night, So we'll have our midweek service, our prayer meeting at 7 o'clock, but right before that, from 6 o'clock to 6.50, we'll meet over in the fellowship hall, be a little bit uh, uh, more informal over there. We're going to talk about and discuss needs, must-have, wants, things like that, uh, that we're thinking about for the new edition. We want to know what you think, and uh, if you have any questions, you can see Kurt Hollinsworth and we'll do that on Wednesday night at 6. Fellowship meeting, March the 25th. It's at Cornerstone Missionary Baptist Church. That's on Dublin Road, 3135 Dublin Road Street, Maryland. The executive uh, committee will meet at 6.15, so don't forget that. Sunday morning, we're going to have a, a baptismal service, so don't forget that on Sunday morning. We're excited about that. And then Sunday night, after the evening service, the youth group's going to host a dollar dog night. That'll help us towards... Uh, Some of the things that we do throughout the year and specifically towards the end of the year as we think about uh, camp and all of the things that the youth group does. Paint night Friday, March 31st. You can see Virginia if you need more information about that. Church directory photos. Listen, if you need, you need to just come and see Ruby, okay? If you want to schedule, Ruby, stand up. Come on. There you go. There's Ruby. If you need to, you need to get that scheduled. There's a lot of folks, she said, uh, that she knows hasn't scheduled a time yet. So come with her and schedule a time to get your picture taken for that. And then, with that being said as well, this morning uh, was supposed to be the Owls. Okay. Well, you're going to be next week. All right. So the Owls will take their picture next Sunday morning. Don't forget that. And then there's an Owls Easter luncheon on Sunday, April the second. Don't forget about that either. All right, at this time we'll have our ushers come. Say that real loud for me. Okay. Cornerstone is in revival through Wednesday night with Bud Stiltner. So let's remember that. And that'll be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at Cornerstone. Uh, So don't forget about that and go out there and support them. All right. Brother Bill, would you ask the blessing on the offering? Thank
2: for the service this morning, Lord. We just pray that for all the events that are coming up uh, in the next few weeks, Lord. We just pray for the service tonight, Lord. Be with the one that stands, Lord. We just ask that uh, you bless this offering, bless the gift and the giver. We'll give you the, all the honor and glory for Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Page 352.
1: 352, everybody stand. <laughs> i was sinking deep in sin far from the peaceful shore very deeply stained within seeking to rise no more but the master of the sea heard my despairing cry in this last verse come on up souls in danger look above Jesus completely saves he will reach you by his love out of the angry way
0: He's already getting ready for Easter, amen. He feels like it, right? And uh, I do like this song, and it tells us in the book of Revelation that they looked and that John says that he was sorrowful because there was nobody able to open the scrolls of the book. But then there came one from the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he was able. He was worthy. Aren't we thankful that Jesus Christ has done everything that he needed to do. And all of the worthiness, this is it's wonderful though, isn't it? He was also willing. Amen? He was willing. Amen.
2: Do you feel the world is broken? Is all creation groaning? It is. Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst?
3: It
2: is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? does jesus our messiah hold forever those he loves loves. does our god intend to dwell again
0: Turn with me, if you would, in your Bible to the book of Jonah, the book of Jonah. We have been going through the minor prophets and uh, preached uh, last week or so from the book of Obadiah, and now we find ourselves in the book of Jonah. Preached one message out of the book of Obadiah, and uh, it was the Lord blessed us and used that message. I can tell you this, I'm not going to preach one message out of the Book of Jonah. Uh, it is absolutely so full uh, and there is so much in it. I'm so excited to bring some of these things and to uh, just keep uh, preaching what the Lord has on our heart. And it's just been, I'll tell you this, I, I know we've we've mentioned it several times, and you're probably ter- tired of hearing about it. Uh, but this week, uh, if it did anything, it just proved and solidified in my heart one more time that God honors the preaching of His Word, and He does amazing things through it, and we, uh, we just want to keep doing that. So what I want to do tonight is go over to chapter 3 of Jonah, and so we're going to go in chapter 3, Jonah chapter 3. We're going to read uh, down through verse number 4. And uh, we're going to do some recap, and we're going to try to give an overview, as it were, uh, and in a way, make sure that we've got the whole book of Jonah down in this sermon. And then we're going to go back uh, in other sermons and break down other important parts and things like that. But it really is my goal and my prayer that as we move through these books of the minor prophet, that we keep the big picture of what each one uh, is talking about and what they're doing. And Jonah is very unique, and we'll mention that in just a moment. So Jonah chapter 3, stand with me if you would as we read God's Word and then ask Him to help us this evening. Jonah chapter 3, verse number 1, the Bible says this, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for just the great day that you've blessed us with in your house. And uh, we're excited for everything that you've been doing, the way that the Holy Spirit's been meeting with us, convicting our hearts, giving us help where we need it, where we've seen folks get saved, and we just thank you for every part of it. Now tonight, dear God, as we take a few moments... Dear God, I do believe that the book of Jonah is challenging to us as believers. It's challenging to us that have uh, done church for a long time and have uh, uh, just maybe got set in our ways on a couple of things. And so tonight, dear God, as we look at the overview of the book, I pray that our hearts would be open to receive what you'd have for us tonight. Use it in a mighty, mighty way. In your name we pray. Amen. Now... The book of Jonah is one of those books that you're probably uh, even more familiar with it than any of these minor prophets. We have the story, we've got it down, and and we're familiar with it. And it is an amazing story. Uh, We see Jonah is told to go to Nineveh, a city that is just great. Uh, It's a huge city, and it's an evil city. Jonah does not want to go to Nineveh. At first, we don't know exactly why, but later it reveals why he doesn't. We've heard the preaching that Jonah runs the other way. And you've heard all that preaching, right? And he paid the fare thereof, right? And uh, he went down, down, right, to, uh, to Tarshish to, uh, to get that boat and go the other way. And you've heard all that preaching, which is great preaching. Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay. And all of those things, those are true, and those are definitely applicable. And so Jonah goes the other way when he's in the boat. We understand and see that Jonah, uh, the storm comes, and the sailors are like, what's going on? And uh, they cast the lots, and the lot falls on Jonah, and they throw Jonah overboard. The Bible says that God prepared a great fish. And it swallowed up Jonah. Uh, And I'm going to tell you, this preacher believes that a great fish came and swallowed Jonah. I'll tell you, if you study a little bit, you will be shocked at the people that just don't believe that. That believe it's satire. That believe it's allegory. That believe it's all kinds of things. But I believe that God prepared a great fish. And it swallowed Jonah, okay? And he lived in the belly of that whale for three days. He repented of what he was supposed to do. He cried out to God and the uh, great fish spewed him out onto dry land. And then where we read, the word of the Lord came a second time, right? He was ready to listen now, right? And he heard and he went to Nineveh. And we saw where he read there that he preached. And in Nineveh, a great revival happened. And as this great revival takes place, and I'm giving you this overview of the book because we're going to use different parts of it at different times. And as this great revival takes place, Jonah turns around and looks at God and says, I knew that you were merciful. And I knew that if I preached and they repented, you would forgive them. And he gets bitter and he gets angry. And he takes a walk outside of the city, and a very unusual story happens then that God prepared something else, a gourd or a vine, that grew up and gave shade to him. It made him happy and he seemed pleased with it. And then the next day, a worm came that God prepared again and ate the gourd from the root, and it withered and died. And again, Jonah said, "God, you might as well just kill me, because I do not want to live anymore. You've 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 forgiven these heathens, and now you've taken away what little joy I had left in life. I'm done." And the book ends very interestingly, with really no resolution to Jonah. But God asks Jonah a question and says, "You were troubled." about the vine but shouldn't you shouldn't I god be troubled about so great a city as of Nineveh shouldn't I be worried about people shouldn't I be this way and the book kind of ends with that question resonating in our ears and also in Jonah's ears and so we see that it is possible for like I said, an interesting book, right? It's, as far as the prophets go, it's very different, isn't it? Notice, number one, the first thing that I'll tell you that as you study this, guess who did not write this book? Jonah, okay? I think that's pretty clear right away, right? If Jonah had wrote the book, it'd probably look a whole lot different, right? As a matter of fact, we really don't have any idea who wrote this book. If you were to study and look at it, they really believe that this story came down through oral tradition and then someone finally decided to write it down and they did. We do know that uh, Jonah is a real man in the book of 2 Kings in chapter number 14. And I believe it's the same Jonah. There would be a few people that would argue with this, but I do believe it was the same Jonah because if you go back to chapter number 1, it describes Jonah this way. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai. And in 2 Kings chapter number 14, all the way down in verse number 23, it describes him as Jonah, the son of Amittai. Okay? So even though there might be a little bit of discrepancies that some people notice about dates, and I really don't want to give you a ton of this background, I believe that they're the same person. In 2 Kings, Jonah is prophesying to Jeroboam II. Okay? You guys remember him from the book of Amos? Not a good king. And as a matter of fact, if you go back and read that and study that, it's a little confusing, the wording in there, but if you spend some time studying it and studying also the book of Amos, you're going to find that Jonah gives a favorable a favorable prophecy to Jeroboam II. This wicked heathen king. Amos does not give a favorable prophecy to Jeroboam the second. And it's it's Amos's prophecy that comes true. So Jonah's, he's a he's a shifty character, this Jonah. There's a lot to say about him. There's a lot of unusual things about his life. The other thing is that this is not a prophecy. To the children of Israel, everything that we've looked at so far are prophecies about you know the children of Israel and judgments to those that are wicked. This is for the people of Nineveh. This is just a completely different book, and I think for that reason, we got to stop and we got to give it some attention. And uh, and while we do the overview, like I said, we're going to do tonight, there's just a bunch of stuff in here that's worth taking some time about and noting. And so we're going to try to do that. Like I said, there's a lot. So we recap this story. We see uh, uh, Jonah here. And, and all I want to do tonight is look at a few things. I want, to, I want to keep the big picture of the book. I went specifically to chapter 3 and specifically verse number 4 because this is Jonah's prophecy to Nineveh. Now remember... Again, Jonah is told to go and preach to them that basically time is up, it's coming up. And I've heard several messages about this, and they're good messages. Notice the volume, and notice you probably would all be praying for a preacher like Jonah, right? Because here's what Jonah says. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. He's pretty to the point, isn't he? He didn't tell them about their wickedness. He didn't tell them of how evil they were. He just said, hey, time's up. As a matter of fact, in Hebrew, it's five words, his whole message in Hebrew, five words. That's all he says, five words. And so I want us to look at that and the word that he uses. The word yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Overthrown. That means overturned. It means everything's going to go the opposite way. Nineveh, you're a great city. You got a lot going on, but destruction is coming your way. Now, what I want to look at, like I said, as we overview this in just a little bit of time, this is I want us to look at how it seems like everything in the book of Jonah is backwards. The man of God doesn't act like how we expect the man of God to act. He doesn't. And I also want to just insert this in here right here. The title doesn't make you a man of God. Right? Just because we put reverend in front of your name. You know what I really like at the coffee house in Oxford when I go in there, Holy Grounds? They call me the good reverend. I like that. That's what they call me. As soon as I walk in, the good reverend is here. I like that. But just because I have reverend in front of my name doesn't make us a man of God, does it? And it doesn't mean that we act the way that we should. And the other thing that's interesting that we're going to look about at here is that the other people in this story don't act like the, the way that we think they should. So that's all we're going to do here just for a minute. We're going to look at how this book just seems to be completely backwards to what we would normally see. We've been looking at all of these books of prophecy, and guess what? When people preach, guess what never seems to happen? Nobody repents, do they? <laughs> Nobody seems to get it when the man of God stands up and preaches. You see, and you go back to these books, and you go back to Amos, and, you, and even if you were to go back and look at Noah, Noah preached. For a hundred and plus years, nobody gets saved but him and his family, right? You know, nothing's happening, but here's stuff is happening. And all we're going to do is just look at that. We're going to look at this unusual dynamic that takes place here and just a, a few of those things. Number one, I already said it, is Jonah. What an unusual character that we have here. I already gave you some of the background that I had planned to use in here. But number one, he is a prophet. He's a prophet of God. And it is his job that we have to remember as the prophet of God, as the the mouthpiece of God for the people, it is his job to bring the word of God to the people. Thus saith the Lord. We've studied that enough, haven't we, in the prophets, right? That what do they bring? They bring the word of God. The priests have their own function in that they would provide and do the duty of sacrifice for God's people to them. The king had another job that that was mainly supposed to be towards God. And then the prophet had one specific thing. The other thing that's amazing about this too is if you read this and you start going with this, you would see that Jonah is going to be coming after a line of prophets like Elijah and Elisha. These are mighty men of God. And if he should have learned better and learned how, it's amazing that he just doesn't seem to get it. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, he had some really uh, uh, some hang-ups. That's what he had. We see it later, and I already mentioned it. Go down to chapter 4. Look at verse number 1. I, I, I got to give you a little bit of the background after he preaches his, his amazing message, right? That's one of the messages that, hey, it's obvious to everybody. The whole town should get saved after a message like that, right? I'm being sarcastic. Can you pick up on that? Because he's five words. But the Bible says, so the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast. They really got right with God. They started to fast and put on sackcloth and all of these things. He goes down there and they, every one of them, they, the, the king all the way through, they, they repent. Verse number 1 of chapter number 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying? Isn't this what I told you when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest of the evil. And then he says this, Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Wait a minute, Are you, you're you putting it right together, right? A whole bunch of people just got saved, right? And repented. Is that how the preacher's supposed to act when people get saved? I would rather be dead. Hold on, or you're going to start to get the picture. I would rather be dead than to be saved with a bunch of people like that. What's his problem, Ninevites? That's his problem. They're his enemy. He hates them. He doesn't care how good God is, how great God is. He doesn't want to see those people get saved. Ouch, right? Are you? Do you want to make the application by yourself? Okay. You got it, don't you? It's for our enemies, too. It's for those that have used you, and abused you, who've hurt you. It's for those that you don't care about. The gospel is for them. It's it's just as real for them. And guess what? God is slow to anger and slow to wrath. And the same mercy that he shows me over... And over and over, he can show to others as well. And is there, is there people or a person or, or, or I don't even know how you put it, that you, that you just, if they were to repent and follow God, you just don't think it'd be okay with you? I want to use it on a less extreme portion as well. Are there people that you're just reluctant to witness to? I have to say, I've been guilty of that one. I'm just, hey, let's let's be real, right? We go to the pregnancy center sometimes. We get people in there, and their life's a mess. And if you know me, you know, it doesn't take long for the conversation to get about the Lord and, and God. I mean, I kind of have a natural, you know, icebreaker. I'm a pastor up in Nottingham. Oh, you are! It's amazing what people start telling you, right? And you start talking about different things, and 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 I will tell you, it's amazing sometimes how quickly folks that are distraught and folks that are that are that are in need that they start going, "I need God in my life." And I have to confess, I've been guilty sometimes of going, "Let's pump the brakes on that a little bit." There's a lot that you need to figure out first. That's pretty messed up, isn't it? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Amen. shall be saved. I shouldn't be pumping the brakes. I should be hitting the accelerator. Amen? But even, I've, I know I've been guilty of that, of having a judgmental view of the person in front of me saying, well, you know, i I need to make sure that they know this. And I need to make sure that they have a knowledge of this. And you know what's crazy? When you think about the whole thing and you look about where we're coming from, from the book of Amos and Obadiah and all of these other minor prophets and even the major prophets who are screaming and preaching with all of their heart to the people of Israel who just won't seem to repent. For whatever reason, they won't go over to the Ninevites who are primed and ready to repent. Isn't that amazing? Do you know what that's all about, right? Folks that get all messed up in sin, they know it, don't they? But the folks that are sitting in the pews that we preach to week after week, they're very blinded to their sin. And let's just face it, it's the Sunday night crowd, but I could still preach it to you and maybe it'll open up the opportunity. But there's a lot of times that folks come in on a Sunday morning and you can't find them with a search warrant the rest of the week, right? And they live like the devil all week long and they have bought into some false sense or pretense of their salvation. They are believing just a little prayer when there's no fruit in their life, there's no change in their life and it is like beating your head against the wall to tell them that they're lost. But somebody that's wrecked their lives with drugs and alcohol, they come into the presence of God and says, woe is me, I'm a sinner, I'm undone, and I need Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we miss who the target audience is. I think we do. Because the Bible talks about this all the time. There are poor and needy that they need the Lord too. And we walk by them because of their station of life, not realizing that that is probably the person that's going to be the most receptive to your witness of anybody out there. Hmm. Jonah just didn't like them. He was God's man, hearing God's word, but he was full of prejudice. i got to move on. That was number one, Jonah. These are our characters in it. That's all we're looking about, doing the opposite of what he should have done. Number two, look at the sailors. This is great. We didn't even read this. You saw how it was going. If you go into chapter number one, let's go in chapter number one, verse number 12. And he said, this is Jonah, said unto them, take me up and cast me forth into the sea. There's so much in here too. These guys are wondering what in the world is going on, right? And they wake Jonah up who's sleeping and they're like, you need to pray to your God because we need somebody to figure out what's going on here. And they cast lots and remember, in their day and time, that's not just like rolling the dice. We preached a long time ago a message out of the book of Acts about when they cast the lot to find a, the next disciple. Remember that? But anyway, and it falls on Jonah, and Jonah's like, yeah, sorry, guys, this one's on me. I serve the God that made the land and the sea, and you can go back and read it, and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm running from him. <laughs> and they're like, what is wrong with you? You serve the God that made the land and the sea that's about to kill us, and you're running from him? What is wrong with you? And, the, and Jonah says, yeah, it's my fault. Take me and throw me into the sea. And they're like, really? I think that might make him more mad at us if we throw you into the sea. And they do their best. Look at this. They do the opposite of what you would think. They do their best to row and get back to shore. They don't want his blood on their hands. Man, they don't know this guy. They don't know who he is. They don't know what's going on. But they still seem to have more concern over human life than what Jonah does. That's crazy. And the Bible says that here they are. They're going to throw him in there. And finally, he convinces them, guys, you got to throw me overboard. It's the only way that it's going to work. And notice what they say here in verse number 14. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it has pleased thee. So they took up Jonah, and they cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Notice this. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Wow. They repented. They said, God, this God that that man we just threw over, that, the God that he served is the one and true God. How unusual that they acted. How amazing that they, I mean, I don't want to read too much into it, but that they made a vow unto God. That they were like, wow. Wow. This is the true, one and true God. Now, the sailors. Then I want us to look at the people of Nineveh. And then we'll be done. Again, acting different than what we thought. Here we see these people who are wicked and undone. And I've already kind of preached my sermon on the first point and hit all the points at once, and that's okay. But here we see them. This wicked people, this people they want nothing to do with, repenting, calling out to God, and calling for a fast. Isn't it amazing that the people that that we wouldn't expect, the people that we wouldn't imagine, and if we take it to the very application of this passage of Scripture, the people that we despise, that they can call upon the name of the Lord. They can, and often they will. And what are we going to do with that? Are we going to get angry at God? Are we going to be like Jonah? I just, I think it's so unusual that you could be in such a place that while others are experiencing revival, probably what some scholars have said, Nineveh is such a big city that it takes three days to journey through it. That's what he's telling us back in chapter in verse number 3. And Jonah was one day of walking into the city when he starts to preach. A city that big, people said that was probably the greatest revival of ancient times was when the city of Nineveh turned to God. One of the greatest revivals I've ever seen. And Jonah's bitter about it. What a terrible place to be. The other thing that I know and that I see about this is God is definitely going to get out of your life what he wants out of your life. But maybe you're going to be the disgruntled and reluctant servant. Mm, That's no fun either. It's not. And here they are. As God's people, are we okay? Or wait, do we even rejoice when our enemies come to Christ? Isn't it amazing here that the pagan sailors seem to be more like Christ than Jonah in this passage of Scripture? I think this is a great wake-up call for God's people. I think it's a great wake-up call for us to look and say, Wow, here we see a book. Because I think this is plopped right in the middle of these minor prophets for a really specific reason to show the nation of Israel that guess what? your pride and your arrogance about your relationship with God, it stinks in the sight of God. And I think as a people that, that serve God and look to serve God, it, it shows us and and brings us to a place where we need to look in the mirror as well. And say, when it comes to serving God, what, what are we like? Are we arrogant in it? Are we missing the very things that God has done? Are we, are, are we more concerned about preaching to who we want to preach to? Or sharing the gospel with the people we think it's appropriate for to be saved? Uh, do we have no pleasure when God starts to move in His house? Man, when God's doing something, are we still in a hurry to get out? Are we saying, man, I wish they wouldn't keep going to the altar so we could get out of here. Are we worried about what's taking place? I'm telling you, God has been moving in a sweet way in our church. We would be crazy. To stifle that. We would be crazy to kill that spirit. We don't need any Jonah hearts. That looks around and go. What's wrong with them? Why are they at the altar so much? Displeased with what God is doing. In the heart and life of someone else. Because it's inconvenient for us. God's word is powerful, is it not? And it's applicable to where we are. I do not want a heart like Jonah's. I'm going to tell you, I kept going back to this. Because you know what I kept thinking? Oh, man, everybody gives Jonah bad rap. There's got to be something. Got to be some silver lining in here. I can't find it yet. I do not want to be a Jonah, okay? I can't find it yet. And I'm going to keep studying, and maybe I'll bring it, but I don't want to be a Jonah. I want to praise his name when he does a mighty work. If the heathen gets saved, I want to thank him for it. If my enemy gets saved, I want to rejoice with my enemy. And I want to say, thank you, God, that you are long-suffering. Because I do know he's been long-suffering towards me. Every head bowed, every eye closed, as they come and prepare a hymn of invitation tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to open up your word and use your word. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I want to hide your words in my heart that I might not sin against you. Dear God, let us take the word that we heard tonight, hide it in our heart, take it with us to work, take it with us to our family functions, take it with us wherever we go. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to open up the book, praise you for everything you've done. Be with this invitation tonight, we pray your name, amen, as we stand. How
4: deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he would give his only Son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss The Father turns his face away As wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory Behold the man upon the cross My sin upon his shoulders Ashamed I hear my mocking voice Call out among the scars sin that held him there oh. no wisdom, but I who boast in Jesus Christ is there.